All right, so if you have been at Redeemer Presbyterian Church for any time whatsoever, hopefully you'll know that our philosophy of ministry emphasizes relationships. First and foremost, a relationship with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Son of God. Believe that uh, you are either moving closer to Christ, your love for Him, understanding His love for you, or you're, you're moving away. Um, and because of that, because of the, the vertical relationship that we think is of primary importance, it impacts our horizontal relationships. It means that we believe in spending time with one another. Not even necessarily in the fact that we always have what we need to help somebody else, but just coming alongside other people, getting to know them, encouraging them, praying with them, reminding them that, that all of us are either moving closer to Christ or moving away from Him. That's a, a main foundational aspect of our philosophy of ministry here at Redeemer. Because of that, I do have the privilege and the opportunity to spend a lot of time with people. I get to go to lunch a lot with people. That's why my collar's so tight. I get to spend a lot of time not only with believers, but unbelievers. One thing I've noticed as I spend time with people over the last 16, 17 months here at Redeemer, I've noticed that there are some things that are common to all of us as human beings. And I realize I'm generalizing a little bit, but I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. Some, some observations that I have about people, including myself. The first observation is this. We all think we know what's best for ourselves. In some measure, that's true, right? We know ourselves better than most other people know ourselves. But we have this idea that, that we really have and we really can understand what it is that's best for us to make us feel fulfilled. We think we know what's best for us. The, the second observation that I have about, about uh, the people that I meet with, we really don't like other people telling us what to do. Certainly, we go to people for advice. We like to hear what they have to say. But in the end, if they're not saying something that we think that makes sense, we really don't pay that much attention. We all think we know what's best for us. We really don't like what other people have to say to us because we, we like to be self-sufficient. We like to be autonomous. We like to think that, that we have what it takes. Thirdly, most of the time... We think we have it worse than other people. It's true, when we step back and we think about it, we do know that other people have it worse than us. But in the midst of going through trials and tribulations and struggles, the problems that we have, it really doesn't impact the way we think about ourselves. Which leads to my final observation. In some measure we all end up a little bit unsatisfied or discontent with the world that we live in and with ourselves. C.S. Lewis and, and other philosophers, other theologians, they would say this means that 
if we find ourselves, here's a quote from C.S. Lewis, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Our passage this morning, we see a woman who finds herself in a place where she is in great need. And she can't get that need met on her own. That's why we read Psalm 88. Pretty difficult reading. But the reason that I had us read that is I think this woman that we're about to read about felt very similar to what we read in Psalm 88. She has a a great need. She can't get that need met on her own. And ultimately what we're going to talk about this morning is what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? Because in this parable that we are about to read, Jesus is explaining to us what we need and how we are to go about getting it. It's all about how we are called to live in the kingdom of God. So if you've been here the last four or five weeks, you know that we're in the middle of our summer series on the kingdom of God. We talked about in our first sermon the the king of the kingdom. And the last few sermons have been on the nature of the kingdom. And this is the way that we've defined the kingdom of God because I think it's important for us to remember this every week. We've We've defined the kingdom of God as God's redemptive rule or reign actively present in and among God's people which is also on display to a watching world. Let me say that again. God's kingdom is his redemptive rule in the hearts of his people that's also on display to a watching world. So what does that mean? It means objectively, that whether you believe it or not this morning, that God has truly begun his kingdom, his rule through Jesus Christ, and he's restoring his people and the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe about the kingdom of God, objectively. Subjectively, that is experienced in the lives of his people, our lives as believers, and it's worked out in our relationships. So this this morning, what we're going to do is, the, the goal is to see how the kingdom is worked out in our lives. It's one sermon among many. We'll continue to have several sermons on what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God. This morning, we're going to see a picture of what our lives should look like in this world in light of God's redemptive rule in our hearts. So let's look at that. Passage this morning is Luke 18, beginning in verse 1. It's printed for you in your your bulletins. Let me read that for us this morning. This is God's Word. Luke 18, verse 1. This is Jesus. He, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, 
Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. You promised to speak to us through it. I ask that you would um, encourage our hearts that we would see and understand what it is you have for us, that we would better understand your rule in our lives so that we would better live out the truths of what you've done for us in a watching world. Would you bless us with your presence and your wisdom and your glory even now, for it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So we got kingdom life. What we need, how we get it, and what it looks like, or what it all means. You you can say it like this. What do we need? We need to be made right. We need justice. We need righteousness. They're overlapping themes or overlapping ideas. I'll talk about that in a minute. How it works. Utter dependence on something other than ourselves. Cry out. We pray. We seek. We plead. And then lastly, what does it mean? It means a life of faith. And I've specifically entitled this a life of forceful faith. So let's look at these three ideas. First of all, what do we need? We learn immediately from our passage that we have a man of influence a man of power and authority. Not only a man of power, but one who selfishly holds power over other people. Said twice in our passage that he neither fears God nor respects man. In other words, simply stated, he doesn't care about God and he doesn't care about anybody else. The only thing he cares about is himself. And I do want you to to, to realize that this is not the way it's supposed to be. A judge from the very beginning in Scripture was supposed to be wise. He was commissioned by God to deal justly and righteously with other people. He was to make wrong things right. That's what a judge was for. And, And we have to confess the truth. In the history of God's people, judges didn't do it all that well. Powerful people rarely use power for the good of others. We see it over and over again in the pages of Scripture. Judges end up being bad, serving themselves, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. Here in our passage, we have a wicked judge who perverts justice, and he looks out only for himself. He has the power to make something right. He just doesn't care. And over against the judge, we have the widow. And the widow is a symbol of helplessness. She's powerless. She's vulnerable. And that's also a constant theme in the Bible. The plight and care of widows. In the world of the Bible, women depended on men for protection 
They depended on men for support. They depended on men for a place of belonging. And this woman has nothing. I would imagine that her prayers were very similar to Psalm 88. She's at the mercy of a powerful man, at the mercy of an unrighteous judge. And we, we have to acknowledge that that world, and even our world today, populated by powerful officials practicing injustice with many power, powerless people who are suffering the consequences. And this woman, she wants justice. And you know what she really wants? She wants what she was created for. Because she's created in the image of God with value, with dignity. And she wants to be restored. She wants to be made right. And she continually cries out, give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice against my enemy. And she's doing this not simply once. She's not even doing it a few times. She never stops. She is continually crying out over and over again. And she has no hope unless this unrighteous judge comes to her assistance. You know what she's saying? Either give me justice or I will die. I do want you to know that the the people that I meet with, whether they're going through struggles or not, they don't find it hard to relate to this widow. There are many that I meet with that their lives are going well, but even then, they readily acknowledge that they're dissatisfied, that they're not totally content that everything's not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, even the judge here, he's being bothered by the woman. You see, we think we know what we need. We're busy going about life, doing everything we can to try to get it. And believe it or not, we're more like this widow than we'd like to believe. We're more like this widow than we'd like to admit. We're all in need of something, and we can't get it on our own. I do have a quick confession to make, an illustration here. Most of you know all my children have grown up for the most part, and they've moved on. I have one that still continues to ask me for money, but that'll go away soon. But Josie and I have found ourselves with extra time. It's really fun. And I'm not ashamed to say that one of the things that we do and we have a lot of fun doing is we'll, we'll find a couple of TV shows or dramas that we like and we'll watch them. Because I like movies. I like TV shows. I like books. I like stories. And you realize all the great stories, the movies or, or, or many TV series, they all touch upon this theme that we're talking about presented in this passage. Something is wrong in the world. There's a a good guy, there's a hero, and there's a bad guy, there's a villain. And even in our world with some of the TV shows today where there's bad and the good and good and the bad, the bottom line of most shows, we still want things to be made right. We're seeking justice. 
You know what we're looking for? We prayed it already. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The heart of this story is a plea for justice. And as I stated earlier, justice and righteousness in the Bible, they are overlapping concepts. You can't have one without the other. The widow wants to be declared in the right. She wants justice. In fact, this widow needs things to be made right simply in order to go on living. We're just like the widow. We may not think about it too much, but we're just like this widow. What do we need? We need things to be made right. How's it work? Verse 3 and following. There was a widow. She kept coming to the judge saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while the judge refused. Afterwards he said to himself, he's talking to himself, he says, Though I don't fear God and I don't respect man, Yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will give her justice. Otherwise, she's going to beat me down by her continual coming. And just, just like some of those TV shows that I watch, right? You have this hero. Could be a man or a woman, right? Wonder Woman. I don't care. They should be dead ten times over. But they keep coming and coming and coming until everything's fixed. This lady has it bad, and it gets worse before it gets better, but she does not quit. She doesn't stop. Luke tells us that the widow keeps coming over and over again, so much so that the judge finally complains, she's bothering me, she's wearing me out. So this woman, think about this, this woman in the midst of her sorrow, in the midst of her despair, in the midst of her hopelessness, I would even say in the midst of her anger, she's feisty, she's undeterred, she's untiring, and she's persistent. She's not a patsy. It's almost, it's like through this widow's continual persistence that the judge finally gives in. It's not because the judge cares about the widow, it's not because the judge cares about God. It's because she just continually wears him out. The widow is vindicated because she doesn't give up. After all, she had nowhere else to go and nowhere else to turn to. Reminds me of what Tim Keller says. All you need is need. All you need is nothing. And most people don't have it. You see, it's different for us today, isn't it? We have so many various options available to us. Those things that we think that if we just get, then we'll be made right. The options abound. If I just find the right job. Or maybe if I get that promotion. Or maybe if I get that raise. If I, if I had the right spouse, if I just had kids that would do what I told them to do, or if you're a, a young person, if I just had those perfect parents, everything would be all right. Who, what, 
are we crying out to so that we can be made right again? The point is, all of us are fixing our hope in something. What or who are you crying out to in order to be made right? You realize if we didn't read the end of this parable, we never would have guessed how it concludes. You realize that? We have an unjust, uncaring judge, the only one who can fix the widow's predicament. And if we stopped in the middle of the story, if we just turned the TV set off in the middle, we could have walked away with no hope. Because we know people like this, don't we? We've experienced situations like this. There there are many things in life that you know from the very beginning they are not going to work out well, don't you? Come on, I do. I, I thought about it. A trip to Walmart. I I don't know about you, but when I know that I have to go to Walmart, I know it's not going to be a good experience. Every once in a while I'll get surprised, but more times than not, it doesn't work out. A meeting with an IRS official about last year's taxes. It's not going to go well. Or something as simple as Christmas time with the extended family. Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you a story about a widow. And this woman we all know who's supposed to lose. And I want you to see that you should always cry out. That you should always pray. That you should never lose hope. Because contrary to your expectations, she doesn't lose. You say, humanly speaking, this widow has no hope. But this woman, against all odds, does not give up. And finally, the unrighteous judge relents and grants her justice and declares her to be right. What do we need? We need to be declared right. How does it work? We, we don't give up. We ask, we pray, we seek, we plead. And lastly, what does this have to do with living in the kingdom? I'm going to say it has everything to do with living in the kingdom of God, living in light of God's redemptive rule in our hearts on display to a watching world. Jesus actually, in his parenthetical comments, explains what it means about living in the kingdom. We've already talked about verse 1. Where, where he says you ought always to pray and never give up. It's because the woman continued to cry out to the only one who could help her, and she didn't give up, she didn't lose heart. But what's really interesting are the last couple of verses. The Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus is doing several things here. First of all, he's explaining what everything means. And the first thing that he's doing is he's tying together crying out to the Lord, which is nothing less than prayer. He's tying prayer and faith together. He wants us to first understand that whatever it is you are looking for to bring you justice has a lot to do with what you're placing your faith in. Everybody lives by faith. What are you trusting in most to give you what you think you most need? Secondly, Jesus is specifically explaining to us how we actually live in this kingdom, what this kingdom life looks like. 
The first thing he does is he contrasts the, un, contrasts the unjust judge with our God. It's very simple. If an unjust, unrighteous human being does this, what do we say about the God who created us with these desires in the first place? Jesus is saying, pay attention to the judge's words because if the judge does this, then God is certain to do it even better. Next, he asks a couple of rhetorical questions. Will not God give justice to his people, to his elect, who cry out to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? And you know what the answer is to both of those questions? Yes. Let me explain. Those who desire justice, those who desire being made right, they are God's people. And God's own people seek from Him a certain justice. They want to be made right. And the widow symbolizes God's people who continually cry out to God for help. So the answer is, yes, God will make His people right. He will vindicate them. He will give them justice. And then the next thing Jesus says is, will He delay long over them? And the Greek is very difficult. Some, some translations, will he be long-suffering over them? Will he bear long with them? Even the NIV says, will he keep putting them off? What Jesus is doing is alluding to a period of delay in which God is waiting patiently over his people. Although God has made his people right... Even though God will ultimately fix everything, the idea is in the meantime, he is patiently doing something that we cannot fully understand and the delay is part of his gracious purpose. Then the next thing, he says he will give justice to them speedily. It means when the time is right, God will act and it will come suddenly. The whole point is this. There is a certainty in the fact that our God will finish what He's begun and the delay is part of God's good plan that even though we think we know what's best, He knows better. And just because we're experiencing a delay does not mean that God is not certainly for us. I was talking to a friend in another one of those lunches and he had talked to another friend and from that other friend he talked to a pastor and the pastor said this, God's providence is never our enemy. Providence defined as God's completely holy, wise, powerful, preserving and governing every creature and every action. God's providence to us is never our enemy, even when we think it is. Will not God give justice to His people, to those who cry out to Him day and night? Yes. Will He delay long over them? Yes, it will take longer than we think. Will He give justice to them speedily when the time comes? Yes. The question is, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith, faith like the faith of the widow on earth? And the answer to that is yes. This is what it means to, to be a Christian living in the kingdom of God. It's how you get in at the beginning. It's how you live for the rest of your life on this earth. It may look ridiculous to the world. It may even look hopeless to your own self sometimes. 
But you continue to cry out in faith to the one who meets your greatest need and you continue to do that until he sees fit to answer. In the meantime, we do not give up. We live by faith in the only just judge. And realize this. Jesus isn't simply telling us these things for information or even for a general sense of knowledge. As important as that is, it's, it's good to know that even in the midst of trouble, struggle, despair, a lack of hope, there will be a time when God will make all things right. It is good to know that. But that's not simply the reason why Jesus is, is telling this parable. Jesus is saying these things to rouse his people to action. Don't think crying out to God and a life of faith expressed in prayer is simply some sedentary form of life, something we do inside of us. Kingdom living is crying out to God continually, which leads to outrageous acts of faith, even forceful faith that changes the world, changes our lives. All you have to do is look back to what's happened before in the Gospel of Luke. Look look what this has led to. It it led to young men in gut-wrenching desperation to dig through the roof of the house so that their friend could be healed. It led a woman who suffered for over a decade with some physical ailment to claw through the crowds to reach the healer on the other side. Just imagine that picture, an old lady that can't stand up straight trying to, to work her way through the crowds of masses of people just to get to the only one that could help her. It led men and women to throw all caution to the wind so that they scandalously and publicly displayed acts of love to the the most undesirable people in the world. It led to public acts of repentance. They weren't ashamed to say, Woe is me, I am a sinner. It led to selfless sacrifice, even the sacrifice of their own lives for the well-being of other people. It's nothing less than to continually cry out for forgiveness, for healing, for justice, and to continue to cry out until those cries are acted upon by the only one who can answer, and it is God himself. The the picture that I have in my mind, and I'll always go back to it, and I've said it before, faith like this and crying out like this in the Old Testament led Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Do, Do you know what he was saying? You either kill me or you bless me. Because I don't have any hope for life without you. And I don't know whoever said it, but whoever said Christianity is for the faint-hearted. 
This is kingdom living. It's to acknowledge that we are made for something better than we are experiencing. To know that God has begun a good work in us and he's going to continue it on. And when he's ready to finish, he will finish it and he will finish it suddenly. It's to know that there is only one who can deliver us from this present evil age. It's to continually cry out to God, working it out in our lives as we radically serve other people self-sacrificially. It's to know with certainty that even though God delays, He has acted and He will act again. God's kingdom is present now. It will come fully in the future. And we don't know how long it will be, but until He comes again, we will continue as God's people to cry out to the only one who can deliver us from this present evil age. And we will hold on in faith. And we will forcefully live that way, seeking the well-being of ourselves and our neighbors. Jesus told them all this. So that they ought always to pray and never lose heart. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? The answer is yes. Not because we are faithful in and of ourselves, but only and simply because our God is faithful. And we can trust Him. And because we can trust Him, we will not lose heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know what it is you're going through. I don't know whether you're at a high point in your life or a low point in your life. But either way, we're called to cry out to God in faith. To live not only for ourselves, but for others. And to live by faith in what we are certain will come. And all things will be made right. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for this widow, this story, this true story about how God uses even our weakness to make us strong. I pray that as we humbly give up our own desires and we seek your desires for us, that we will cry out, that we will live by faith, that we will live in the midst of the kingdom that we know is sure and certain and other people will see it for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.